right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we recap Saturday's action in SEC basketball before diving into the weekly power rankings, uh, a big weekend for teams around the league in terms of uh, some of them trying to play their way into the NCAA tournament and for others trying to improve their their spot uh, in the tournament. Uh, and we start uh, with LSU picking up a 64-50 to victory against Texas A&M. Uh, the one thing we've, we've always said about LSU this season is that their defense has left a lot to be desired. It did not in this game, um, giving up only 50 points. That's tied for the lowest amount of points they've allowed all season. Uh, just a really, really great effort, I thought, on defense from, from Will Wade's team. And that had to be a welcome sight uh, for, for Will Wade and his coaching staff and, and for LSU fans in general because uh, you look at how many points they've given up this season and, and you look at really recently how many points they've given up. We mentioned the streak on the road of giving up 80 or more points and and to only give up 50 to a team that's played a lot better on offense uh, still a team that has problems on that side of the court but but as we we've said too in some of these recent games you know the Aggies have been a lot better on the offensive side of the court and so for LSU to only allow 50 points uh very very impressive and uh you know uh, and also I thought on the offensive end for LSU uh, they only had four turnovers in this game and here's why that's such a an important stat is Texas A&M ranks 55th nationally. They did going into the game uh, in turnovers forced. So to only have four turnovers against a team that has done such a great job of forcing them this season, that's another thing with LSU. And it also accentuates just how good of an offensive team LSU can be. And, and we, you know, you look at the stats all season long, their offensive stats have never sort of wavered. I mean, they have been one of the, the top offensive teams in terms of efficiency all season long, and so um, you know if they can play that efficiently on offense, they're always going to have a chance to win. It's just what they do on defense uh, is going to ultimately you know decide whether they can be a team that can make a deep run in the tournament uh, or a team that that gets put out early uh, just because that they can't get enough stops. But uh, Skyler Mays, you know, didn't have a great game against Florida, but got back on track here. He had 24 points, and I just overall, I mean, I, I thought it was a really good win for LSU. It's not a win that's going to know completely just just boost them up to the NCAA tournament seed line or anything like that but for their confidence on defense it was huge and to only give up 50 points um you know not something that we expected in this game I thought it would be another high scoring game like it was the first time these two teams played uh but to give LSU credit uh, really a great job here and uh that should be something that they they go back to this tape a lot over the next couple of weeks uh, and show kind of the biggest strengths here because uh, this is how they need to play on defense if they want to make a run in March. Ole Miss uh, got a 86-60 win against Vanderbilt, and uh, we talked about LSU needing a good defensive performance against A&M. Uh, Ole Miss just needed a win uh, for a team that, that had lost four straight, and and this was something that, that they, you know, they had to come out and have sort of an emphatic sort of game like this. And, and I thought they did a good job of doing that because, um, you know, they had five players in double figures. I think they assisted on 26 of their 35 made field goals. Uh, that's always a nice stat to have. Um, and, you know, Vanderbilt, we have we mentioned with them, I mean, the Commodores, they're an improved team. There's no doubt about that in terms of, of how far they've come since Aaron Neesmith had his season-ending injury. Um, but they still just don't have the depth on the roster, I think, at this point in the season. And you also can't underestimate, I think, the impact that that, that Georgia game had on them. Will. That was one where to lose that game the way they did uh, at the buzzer, you know, feeling like you, you should have won that game, 
I think that could take a lot out of you when your team that, that has just lost so many games at this point in the season, and then to lose another one like that, um, I think mentally that's that's probably a very draining thing, and I wouldn't be surprised you know, if, if this Vanderbilt team, as, as improved as they are, and that's not to say that they're not, you know, playing hard, that the effort's there. It's just a matter of, you know, mentally the energy. I think once you, you lose a lot of games and just, you know, knowing that, that they lack depth on the roster right now, um, it's just at a point where they're going to have games like this here at this point in the season. And so uh, Ole Miss, I mean, just give them credit because, you know, it was a game where you could tell from very early on that, that Ole Miss could control the game if, if they wanted to control the game. And and they did that. You know, they didn't just sort of play around and, and let this be a game where, where Vanderbilt maybe kept it to 10 or something late down the stretch. I mean, Ole Miss kind of put the foot on the gas and kept going. And that's what you got to do, I think, especially for a team uh, like the Rebels, that, that it struggled to find ways to win. Uh, this is one that, that should help them, you know, going to, to the, the last week of the regular season and then even into the SEC tournament, uh, looking like that team that, that they look like probably – during that stretch, even in the losing streak, you know, losing close games like they did in some of those early ones, you know, the, the Kentucky game is one that stands out in terms of how they played there. So there, there's lots of opportunity for Ole Miss to, to be a potential spoiler in the SEC tournament. Uh, and maybe this is something that can, can give them, you know, a positive to lean on here going in and if they can finish the regular season with a little momentum. Uh, having someone like Brian Tyree that can score the way he can um, you know, that, that at least can, can give you something to lean on in terms of uh, going into the SEC tournament, being able to have a player that can take over a game like that uh, to where you're potentially being uh, the spoiler uh, in Nashville. And then Tennessee picked up a 63-58 to win against Florida. Uh, really the type of game we expected from this two. I, I look back and you know, the, I think the score prediction for me in this game was 62-58 Florida. Uh, so it winds up being 63-58 Tennessee. So really, you know, it was going to be a defensive type of game. We, we had a feeling it would be a low-scoring game based on how these two teams play. Um, and for Florida, you just can't start the game the way they started this game. Uh, the Gators had nearly as many turnovers as points in the first half. They had 11 turnovers at 17 points at halftime. You just can't go on the road in the SEC and only score 17 points and a half and turn it over double digits uh, and expect to win. I don't care who you're playing. And so that was disappointing uh, to, to see Florida playing like that just when we thought that maybe they they were turning a corner. And that's not to take anything away from Tennessee because it's the same theme you know we've had all year with Tennessee. This is a good defensive team. It's just a team that that maybe lacks that punch on offense that they that they've had in recent years. I mean, with, with all the players, you know, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Lamonte Turner, Jordan Bone, all those guys that, that aren't still on the roster that that really offensively, I mean, gave them an extra something. They just don't have it on this team, and and yet you know they're still finding ways to win some of these games because they're they're good on defense. They have the size, and and they're just you know they're getting a lot of players that that are improving in their specific roles and John Fulkerson is the perfect example of that Uh, another big game from him and and that's what they need you know he's that x factor and that's been a common theme this season Um, if he can play as well as he he did in this game Tennessee can win and, and they can be a team you know if you're looking for a team that could make a run to an SEC tournament final, uh, the Vols could certainly be a team like that because of how they play on defense, and you're going to give Rick Barnes the benefit of the doubt at this point. And so uh, it's a big win, and and for Florida, it's just it's hard to rally against 
SEC teams on the road when you turn it over as much as they did. And I know that they made the rally in the second half, but uh, it just it just wasn't enough after such a slow start. And, and I think that that has to be disappointing for Florida based on how they play, because even if you just have a somewhat normal first half, you probably find a way to win this game. Um, but, you know, now you kind of go back and you lose this game and you're still in that 8-9 seed range. Um, and, you know, you just you wonder, I mean, are they going to have these types of inconsistencies? And that's been the deal with them all season is, is the consistency. And that's why I think we sort of hold back on Florida from, from getting to that point of, of being a preseason top 10 type of team like we thought they could be uh, early in the season. But a uh, huge win for the Vols, and uh, they will take some momentum here into uh, the last couple games of the regular season. But uh, coming up, uh, we will look at two bubble teams in particular picking up uh, important victories while one bubble team um, did not exactly do what they needed to do uh, in a road game. But uh, we'll get into those coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And it was Mississippi State picking up a 67-63 win against Missouri. A solid road win for the Bulldogs, who, uh, like all the SEC bubble teams, just have to keep winning at this point. And one of the biggest themes here was that Missouri just didn't hit shots. I thought that, you know, that they took a lot of three-pointers. They were 6 of 29 from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, a lot of those, uh, for a good portion, probably open shots. They just didn't make them. And uh, you probably still, though, uh, not wanting to shoot that many in this type of game. Uh, you'd like some of those back uh, without question. And, you know, to shoot 37% from the floor, it's hard to beat anyone when, when you're only making 37% of, for 37% of your shots, um, especially against a good Mississippi State team. And, and something else, you know, you look at the stats, Missouri had 15 offensive rebounds in this game, but only seven second-chance points. So to get that many extra opportunities, at least, off of an offensive rebound and only capitalize with that many second chance points, uh, that is also not ideal and just sort of accentuated uh, the scoring struggles that Missouri had in this game. Just didn't get a ton of scoring. And, um, you know, and that's that's something too with Missouri. The defense uh, has been something that can carry them, uh, you know, and, and give them possibilities to, to win games. But their offense this season has just sort of been back and forth where there are some games where they look really good on offense. There are some games where they just can't buy a basket. And th- that was one of these games where they just couldn't buy a basket. And they had their opportunities. Um, you know, Mississippi State is just a team that just keeps grinding out some of these wins. And, and that's important for them is, you know, that they just keep finding ways to win some of these games. And it's not just sort of overwhelming to the point to where you just look at Mississippi State and say, well, that team, you know, just completely wows you every team, every single time they're on the court. And, you know, that Texas A&M game, I think, is an example of that. They go down there and lose by 12 in College Station uh, after they had won the back-to-back games against Arkansas and South Carolina. But something else, too, with Mississippi State is they're just finding way to, ways to win some of these close games. Um, you know, the game at Arkansas, they, they win with a tip-in with less than a second left. They win the South Carolina game by three at home. Um, they win that game against Alabama, another close game, and then they win this close game at Missouri. So I look at teams like that. I mean, if you can, if you can find ways to win close games – that's only going to increase your confidence in those scenarios when you you find yourself in them, and that's what probably makes Mississippi State a pretty dangerous tournament type of team. Uh, is that that they built that confidence to this point uh, to win these games, whether at home or on the road. And so uh, the Bulldogs, right there, I believe now still in the the first four out range on on Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology. 
but uh, they have their opportunities to play their win. Uh, they just have to keep winning games. So, uh, Kentucky gets a 73-66 to win against Auburn. Uh, this game was uh, another one probably that played out sort of as we expected it to. Uh, a very physical game, uh, a very aggressive game. Uh, lots of free throws shot in this one. And, and, yes, I know for people who are listening to this and were uh, on Twitter, have seen my Twitter or other people's uh, tweets, uh, during the game, there was sort of a common theme we've seen all season in the SEC where uh, you have two teams like this that play very physical styles, and, and it resulted in a lot of free throws, a lot of fouls, and, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't know really what else you say. I, I've said a lot about it. I mean, we did an entire two segments on it on the podcast. I've tweeted about it all season. Uh, it's just the way the game is called right now. It's just, I mean, it is sort of what it is, I guess. I don't know what else you put out there with it. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, and it, it's not always a, a great product for just the, the normal basketball fan who, who wants to watch some of the best you know, players in the country go at it. It's just sometimes it, it turns to free throw contests, and you saw that in both the regular season games between Auburn and Kentucky. But uh, again, it, it is how both these two teams play, and so uh, you can't just say that it's just a a bad refereeing thing. Uh, and that's that's all it is. There are so many layers uh, to this whole fouling and free throw shooting issue in the SEC uh, that uh, we you know we could talk about it for hours uh, because it's just not as simple as saying that the refs are, are making bad calls. There's a lot more to it than that but uh, there were some ones I know this that stood out for both fan bases in this one uh, beyond that though uh, Kentucky you know they just they played better and and you know Auburn didn't make enough shots and uh, you know Kentucky only had one turnover in the first half um, they kept their momentum going and it, it's just hard to win at Rupp Arena when you shoot like Auburn did uh, only 36 percent from the floor they were nine of 34 from three-point range that's only 26 percent and they only made 13 of their 22 free throws. That's 59%. So uh, in a sense, you just look at Auburn, and again, I know both fan bases not exactly thrilled with the officiating, but um, if you make you know, you know, make shots, you make some of the free throws, you hit a couple more threes, it's a different game. And, um, you know, it's just sometimes that's how it goes, especially when you play on the road. And uh, Kentucky, though, the one thing that continues to stand out with Kentucky, and, and, you know, this is, if you just look at the stats, like this is the best free throw shooting team that John Calipari has had since he's been in Lexington. And, and they go 27 of 33 from the free throw line in this one. Um, that is the one thing with Kentucky that I think we're going to look at. If you go into it, the tournament and, you know, you compare some of these teams and want to know, okay, um, why should I believe in this team over some of these other teams? Free throw shooting always comes into play. And Kentucky now in the top five in the country in free throw shooting. They're shooting 79.5% from the line um so it is it's the best free throw shooting team he's had there uh kentucky has just turned into uh a a really really good basketball team at this point in the season and you guys heard it on the podcast on friday i mean bruce pearl mentioned that going into that kentucky game he said he didn't think this team was getting enough credit he thought this was a final four type of team and i think you saw a lot of the reasons why in this game uh, on saturday because uh, they just they just keep doing a lot of things well and emmanuel quickly a double double here with points and rebounds um it's just i, I don't know i mean they're just so hard uh to, to match up against right now for anyone and with with all their guys playing you know pretty pretty well right now i mean there's there are lots of different guys on that roster that are making key contributions and uh with them as good as they are from the free throw line uh they're they're defending it better 
It's just we we have to start looking at this Kentucky team as a legitimate Final Four national championship type of team because uh, that's the makeup that they have. And, you know, with their ability to get to the free throw line, uh, as well as they shoot it from there, they're capitalizing on all these things. Um, I just I really like this team. And and I think that this is we look at the coach of the year conversation and all that. uh, You can make the argument, I think, for several quality candidates. But I just don't think we can look at Kentucky and say, well, you know, this is where they were supposed to be. So we can't give John Calipari credit. I think he has just done a fantastic job with his team this season, and uh, they are playing their best basketball right here at the start of March, and that's exactly where you want to be. Uh, this is a, a very, very good Kentucky team, and it's one that could very well play its way to the Final Four and have a chance uh, to compete for a national championship. Uh, Georgia got a 99-89 to win against Arkansas, and uh, yes, that's takes Arkansas back off the bubble and here's the thing you know if you're an Arkansas fan you're still trying to find ways for for the Hawks to get into the NCAA tournament the thing is it's just it's it just really hard to justify you know a defeat to a team that was four and ten in SEC play coming into this game and these are just the games that you can't lose at this point in the season when you're on the bubble um and that's just it's just one that Arkansas couldn't afford I mean they, they had their opportunities um, but they just they could not get enough stops, and that's that's been unusual for this team. And certainly, when you look at the uh, the offensive numbers uh, for Georgia, I mean they shot fifty seven percent from the floor. They went ten of twenty three from three point range against what is still the top three point defense in the country. Even with Arkansas uh, allowing that good of a percentage here for Georgia, uh, the Hawks are still number one in the country in three point field goal defense. And and give Georgia credit too. I mean they made shots. That's what you, I mean. The Bulldogs made a bunch of shots and to nearly score 100 points on what's been a a good defensive team and I just think that's where you know we have to look at Georgia too Georgia's coming along nicely and I think that's a team you know I've been asked a couple times who are some teams you can look at as potential ones that they could really make noise in the SEC tournament that no one's expecting Georgia's played a lot better in recent weeks and Anthony Edwards his ability to take over a game we know but but he's getting help around him too and uh, I think they're just they're a team that you have to look at and say I'm not sure I want to play Georgia right now because uh, Anthony Edwards is just so good and and they're you know they are that they are playing their best basketball this season uh, at this point so um, you know for for Arkansas Isaiah Joe had 26 Mason Jones had 26 Desi Seals had 21 but they just didn't get much elsewhere and uh, you know the, the bigger issues for them were on defense and they just they couldn't get enough stops and um, you know so it's one where for Arkansas. You can look at all the scenarios you want at this point, but uh, you just have to you have to win a lot of games, and they probably have to make it. Uh, I would say without knowing any other situation in terms of who, what else is everyone else doing on the bubble, uh, because that plays a role uh, when you lose a game like this. Um, you just you know getting to the SEC tournament final probably best case scenario to have the best chance to get in. Um, I don't know, maybe they even have to win it, but uh, it's just yeah, it's just not a game you can afford to lose when you're on the bubble uh, because Georgia is is nowhere you know near the NCAA tournament at this point. Uh, so uh, n- not a great loss uh, for the Razorbacks, but a, a good good win uh, for the Bulldogs because uh, they are a team to keep an eye on heading into uh, the SEC tournament without question. Uh, and then Alabama got a 90-86 win against South Carolina. Pretty much what everyone was calling a, a bubble elimination uh, game between these two. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, even even with Alabama's win, I think both teams probably still around the same spot. Uh, in terms of what they have to do to, to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, but no, no doubt. I mean, to get this win, period, 
without John Petty on the court to score 90 points in this game. Um, it just it shows you what Alabama's capable of, and we just we keep going back to that with the Tide. If you put this entire season sort of in perspective, um, you know, with all the injuries they've had, with, with everything, they've had so many key guys, uh, you know, have injuries, dealing with injuries. You've got Herbert Jones uh, playing with, with one hand and, and John Petty, you know, this recent injury. You've had other guys injured throughout the season. And yet they're still right here, you know, with a chance to play their way into the NCAA tournament. I think it's 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 impressive, and um, because they just they can be so good on offense that they're just they're not an easy team to prepare for. Uh, their offensive style is unique, and and that's something where when you just look at how they play, Alabama at full strength. Um, it's just they're not a team I would want to see in my part of the bracket. And you know, I mentioned this uh, in one of the, in the podcast I did with the guys on the Double Dribble podcast, uh, the Alabama basketball podcast with Jordan Harper and Matthew Landry. Um, you know, I just I look at it, and if you look at all four of these bubble teams that we're considering bubble teams in the SEC right now, which is Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Alabama is the team that I think has probably the, the highest upside in terms of being able to get hot and just win multiple games in a tournament setting. Or tournament setting. Because they just have that offensive punch that that if they get rolling, it's just they're hard to stop. And if this game was a perfect example of that, South Carolina got up to a, a huge lead early, and Alabama couldn't find any offense whatsoever. Um, South Carolina just started off the game playing very well, and then all of a sudden, you know, Alabama just just gets hot, and they wind up scoring. 90 points after really a slow start where, I mean, they just couldn't find anything probably in the first several minutes of this game. So they are where they are, and, and at this point, uh, more with the scenarios and everything, uh, I know we're getting into those, but it's just it's just you have to win. Like, that's all there is to it. And, and I thought they did such a great job in this game uh, of sort of making up for not having Petty on the floor. I mean, you know, Herbert Jones did his usual thing. Kyra Lewis was fantastic. Uh, Javian Davis, he was really probably the biggest X factor in this game. Uh, he had 20 points, had 10 rebounds, a double-double, just a, a great job by him. And he's really come along this season. Uh, his improvement's been obvious. Um, and, you know, that that's what they need. And I think for Alabama, um, it is. It's a team that I don't know if they'll get into the tournament or not. It's going to be a challenge. Like, there's no way around it. They have to win the rest of the regular season games. Uh, they probably have to win, I'd say at this point, at least two, uh, probably in the SEC tournament, which, uh, again, it's going to depend on matchups, too, and everything. Uh, but uh, it's much easier said than done. But uh, if they were to find themselves into an NCAA tournament, they are a team that a lot of teams would not want to see in, in their part of the bracket just because of their style of play. So Alabama, uh, a great win here against South Carolina. Both teams, as I said, still in similar spots. Uh, I think actually South Carolina is still ahead of Alabama uh, in some of the bracketologies you look at. Um, and, uh, you know, th- that those change based on all the other games going on around the country. So uh, those essentially change by the minute. Uh, but uh, th- there you go. Alabama gets a win. And uh, at least for now, it's still in that spot where just keep winning and uh, you'll at least play your way uh, close to having a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, But coming up, uh, we will dive into the weekly SEC basketball power rankings. And as usual, uh, the medal is just uh, a complete mess. And uh, good luck trying to figure out uh, exactly what we're going to see in the SEC tournament. Uh, We'll get into those uh, power rankings coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of the Locked On podcast network. 
We jump into the weekly SEC basketball power rankings. We start with number 14, Vanderbilt. Uh, the Commodores, again, have improved. They've gotten better. They're just hitting a point here now where, you know, a lot out of you from that Georgia loss. And, you know, it's just how do they move forward as a program? That's going to be the biggest thing we look at here uh, for the Commodores because, um, you know, a frustrating season, another one here, but uh, also a season of some bad luck, uh, which has been a a main theme for them the past couple years. And uh, how do they move forward? How does Jerry Stackhouse continue to build that program? Uh, That's going to see how things unfold there uh, for this Vanderbilt team because, uh, you know, they've got a nice young nucleus. It's just a matter of of building that depth on the roster to be able to compete uh, in the top half of the SEC. Again, number 13, I have Ole Miss. Uh, The Rebels did snap their their losing streak against Vanderbilt. Um, And and even at 13, you know, you could mix and match Ole Miss with with several of the teams in front of them. Um, It's just, uh, you know, they did have that losing streak. And um, with Brian Tyree on the floor and as good as their guard group is, um, they're they're a team that still can match up uh, with some of these teams at the top. And we've seen them do that. I mean, we saw how well they played at Kentucky. Uh, We've seen how well they played in some of these other games. Uh, But, uh, you know, just kind of somebody has to be somewhere in these rankings. And uh, for Ole Miss, uh, this is where they're at right now. Number 12, I do have Georgia. Uh, The Bulldogs move up after that win against Arkansas. And, you know, it's just that they are. They're playing so well right now. And and when you have a a dynamic playmaker like Anthony Edwards, um, you you at least love to be in that spot if you're a team that that has to uh, play its way into an NCAA tournament by winning a a conference tournament. Uh, When you have a player that you know every single game is going to have a chance to take over the game uh, at any time, that's that's at least a a nice advantage. And so Georgia will have that uh, going into the SEC tournament and playing as well as they are right now. Uh, If they can finish strong in the regular season, uh, I would definitely keep an eye on the Bulldogs. At number 11 is Missouri. The Tigers just have to play better on offense. They have to be more consistent. And, um, you know, they've just got to hit shots. And that's what you have to do to, to win games is to make shots. And that um, they just didn't do that in that game against Mississippi State. And that um, there's still one, though, with just their playing style. I mean, it's, it's much different than a team like Alabama. Uh, but their playing style is still one to where uh, you know they can they can be a team that that can play a spoiler role, uh, but only if they are more consistent on offense because that's sort of the one thing uh, that is that has held them back this season at times, and they're going to have to get better at that uh, if they want to uh, make a run in Nashville. Uh, number ten, I do have Arkansas, um, the Razorbacks. Uh, you could this is uh, once again we're in this range here where you can you can mix and match all of these different teams because there's just not a lot that separates them at this point. Um, you know, and, and with Arkansas, it's now you have to put yourself in a situation where you were already in must-win mode before that Georgia game, but after losing that game, uh, every game is a must-win. Like there's no other way to put it. Uh, because, you know, you have to find a way to at least get, uh, I think, you know, looking at, at how the committee is going to view it, uh, they have to at least find a way to get to 8 and 10 in the conference. Like they can't finish the regular season at 7 and 11. They can't afford to split games here uh, this week against LSU and Texas A&M. They have to win both of them, and then they're going to have to win, you know, multiple games in the SEC tournament, I think, to play their way into the to the NCAA tournament. But any way you look at it, I think it's still a, a successful first season for Eric Musselman and Fayetteville. Uh, there were not high expectations outside of Arkansas fans for this team, if you just look at where they were picked, uh, because I don't think a lot of people knew what to expect, and I was one of those. I just, you know, you looked at the roster, you didn't see a lot of size, uh, you didn't really know what some of the guys transferring in were going to do. Uh, they were a hard team to place, but but I think they've still had a good season, and you know we're we're still going to look back 
at that five-game stretch without Isaiah Joe and kind of wonder what if uh, for the Razorbacks probably. So number nine uh, is Texas A&M. You know, the Aggies – I know they've they've kind of I guess gotten back to they've lost back to back games but they did play pretty well against Kentucky uh, didn't play as well against LSU only scoring 50 points but they still have to go to Auburn on Wednesday they're back home against Arkansas so not going to be any any easier to finish up the regular season here but uh, there's no doubt since you since that probably December stretch. I think they lost four games, four straight games in December. There were three and five. Uh, they had lost to Fairfield in there, uh, some other teams as well. This team was just not very good, and and they've come a long way. Uh, Buzz Williams, that's why he's in the conversation for SEC Coach of the Year. And number eight is Tennessee. Uh, the Vols uh, get the big win against Florida, and uh, right there among this group of teams that, um, you know, if, if they're on, they can, they can play with anybody. They can beat anybody. Uh, it's just uh, we. I think a lot of people want to see it on offense with Tennessee, and um, you know. But if you're good enough on defense, sometimes it doesn't matter, and that's kind of what we saw against Florida. Is that you know they only scored 63 points, but that's okay if you only allow 58 points. So um, you know the Vols. I just I think they're a, a unique type of team because they do have the size, and and we you know mentioned John Fulkerson's progression. Um, we've seen other guys step up. You know throughout the season, it's just. I still don't know exactly what we we expect from the Vols game in and game out, and I think without knowing that, it's hard to know really what what we're going to get from this team because I, I just don't know, you know, how they play away from home is another thing. Um, you know, they've lost I think three straight road games. Um, you know, they did play well for for, the, for a lot of the Auburn game aside from that comeback. They lost that game at South Carolina, uh, and then they they sort of got ran into a buzzsaw in Arkansas. But um, you know, still a team that is capable of beating the top teams in the conference and. Uh, they could be one that, you know, if they wind up in that that eight nine range and are playing Kentucky or, or play Auburn in the second round, um, you know, that they could they could be one that, that upsets one of those teams and becomes uh, the team that could find a way to to play their way into the NCAA tournament uh, by making a run. And number seven, I have South Carolina. Um, I know the Gamecocks uh, have a, a better conference record than the team that's about to be in front of them, but uh, I think if you look at it overall. It's sort of a disappointing loss for South Carolina and Alabama because I, I you know, without John Petty, I thought it was a, a really good matchup for them. And now they've lost three of four. They had to, you know, they beat Georgia in overtime. And really, if you look at their resume, I mean, they they haven't had a a truly. I mean, they beat they beat Tennessee a couple weeks ago in, in Columbia, but you know, they had that win in Arkansas back at the end of January. But but everything else, really, even I guess you go back to that win against Kentucky. The, the bulk of their resume it kind of came since mid-January. Like, since then, I mean, they've they've won a lot of games. I think it's just who have they beaten, and that's one of the deals where they, they've lost to a lot of these teams where they've come close. They just haven't been able to close out games, you know, against Alabama, against LSU, Mississippi State, uh, teams like that. And so uh, that's something where uh, I still think this is a good team. It's just if they would have closed out one of those games, uh, they're probably much further up on the bubble, but just not being able to win, uh, you know, some of those games against these teams that are in similar spots uh, doesn't help the Gamecocks in terms of their NCAA tournament chances. And then at number six, I do have Alabama, and I know that's that may be a little high for some people, but uh, as I've said many times, you could mix and match all these teams. Alabama, you could justify Alabama being number 10 on this list. Like, there's just any way you go with it, it changes game by game. Uh, but for Alabama, I just getting that win against South Carolina, um, if John Petty is back, 
uh, sort of healthy, ready to go for the SEC tournament, and they win these next two games against Vanderbilt, Missouri. Uh, I just the way they play. That's the one thing I keep going back to with Alabama is you can never write them off because of how they play. You know they're going to get a lot of offensive possessions, and I think even in games where maybe they trail by double digits, you just they're a team that you're just never going to write off because of their offensive capabilities. Uh, Mississippi State at number five, uh, the Bulldogs uh, are leading the pack in terms of uh, the bubble teams right now in the SEC. Still in that uh, first four out range and uh, just need to, to keep winning. <laughs> there you go. What do you, what do you know? Just need to keep winning. Um, that's that's what they have to do, and, and that's going to be easier said than done because, you know, they, they go to South Carolina on Tuesday, and, and that's going to be a, a very tough challenge, I think, for Mississippi State. Um, in that game, you know, these two teams just played not long ago, and it's a very good game in Starkville. Uh, so they've got to win that game, and um, that's that's an important one, just as all of these are at this point uh, for Mississippi State. But uh, they, they've won now, I think it's four or five at this point. Um, so the, they're at least improving their stock because they're winning games, and that's what you have to do. At number four uh, is Florida. Uh, the Gators lost that game at Tennessee. Uh, they have played better as of late, aside from that that first half, probably against the Vols. Uh, so maybe we at least just just maybe throw that half out and say that's just a bad half. Uh, but we'll find out more about them, I think, on Wednesday because they're at Georgia. And as we know, with as, as well as Georgia's playing, if Florida goes and loses at Georgia, then I think you just completely look at this team and say, there's just no way you can trust them going into to conference tournament play and into the NCAA tournament uh, if they were to lose that game at Georgia. So at number three is LSU. Uh, impressed with the defensive performance against Texas A&M. That just has to become something that's a, a game-by-game thing where they need to play that way on defense if they can do that. Um, they're you know they're going to be a team that can score it well enough uh, to play with anyone. It's just uh, they have to play better on defense. And, and their, you know, their remaining schedule is not easy either. They have to go to Arkansas on Wednesday, then they're back home against Georgia. Uh, so the Tigers, two, off, two teams there offensively that are going to test them. So we'll see if they can keep up uh, their, their good defensive play. It's not going to be easy to do uh, going up against those two teams uh, this week. And number two is Auburn. Uh, the Tigers uh, lose at Rep Arena, but uh, you know overall, I mean, still in a spot where you know you're, you're still going to look at Auburn. They're they're clearly the second best team in the SEC, and uh, it's just how do they play away from home? Uh, I didn't think they played terrible at Kentucky. They just didn't make shots, and that's what you got to do though to to win these types of games. And that's going to be the one thing that people talk about a lot with Auburn going into the SEC tournament, into the NCAA tournament, is um, they haven't necessarily been overly impressive away from home and and I think that's one of the things that people are going to bring up with the Tigers but uh you know overall still a team that's 24 and 5 still in a really good spot and uh, they'll wrap up the regular season with the home game against A&M and they they will travel to Tennessee uh, on Saturday uh and then of course Kentucky is number one uh the the Cats wrap up uh, the regular season title in the SEC and um you know they're just they're really good that's I don't know the way to put it like they are they are a really good basketball team, and they've come a long way since that Evansville game. I know everyone gets tired of talking about the Evansville game. Uh, we're just it was sort of in a, a different universe because <laughs> this is not the same Kentucky team uh, that played Evansville back on November the twelfth. Um, this is a completely different team, and they have just they have turned it on, and uh, they're just not letting up. Uh, they are they are playing as well as anybody in the country, and uh, they they sort of have the it factor right now. I think to to make a run uh, to a Final Four, have a chance to compete for a national championship, uh, which is always the expectation in Kentucky and uh, I think this team has a really good chance uh, to have an opportunity uh, to make it there uh, to Atlanta. That'll wrap up uh, this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe. Uh, head over to any podcast app you use. Just search for Lockdown SEC. And uh, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, take a few seconds, leave a nice five-star rating or review. That just helps the show uh, reach more people, and I greatly appreciate that. And for everything else, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. Uh, coming up on the next episode of the podcast, we'll look at Tuesday's matchups and uh, talk a bit more about where things stand in terms of uh, the NCAA tournament for some of the teams in the SEC. So uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time here on Locked on SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.